Oh, it's quiet. Isn't that neat? So today at 12 o'clock is the first Pops meeting. Okay, is that a luncheon? So as soon as you're, if, if you're going to attend that meeting, grab lunch in the social hall and get to the meeting. Where's the meeting going to be? Room two. It's on the back of your bulletin if you, if you need some directions. But room two today. And uh, this will be a, a, a neat meeting to introduce what, what POPs is about. And, um, and just uh, check it out. Find out what, what God has for you there. You know, before we get started, uh, let's see. Let me pull this out. Connection card. This is a gold and white card. I invite you to pull this out and to... Fill it out to whatever degree you like and leave it on your pew when you're done. And on the back, there are different ways you can communicate with us. And uh, hopefully we will we'll get back to you. You know, some of you have asked about some things. I remember one person I think uh, asked about being on a missions list and things, missions update and, and weekly things. We really don't have an actual update for certain um, uh, things. Uh, we have, we say, email updates on missions. I really don't know. We don't have anything formalized on that except the general email. So uh, if you are not on our general email news list, please, please, please uh, give that to Andrew. And I think many of you are receiving uh, the weekly uh, information notice that Andrew sends out. He does a terrific job on that. And so if you have an email address, give it to Andrew, and uh, you'll be receiving things from us regularly. Okay? As you're filling that out, I just want to thank many of you who um, uh, supported uh, Inez Chuck uh, at, the, at the service for her husband, Alfonso Chuck, uh, last week. That was just a real, real um, to me, a very uh, blessed encouragement uh, of our, of, to me to see you uh, coming to, that, to support Inez and to, to encourage the family. And so thank you for doing that. You know, I, I really, I really miss uh, Chuck in a lot of ways. He's just a quiet, just a, just a gentle, just a neat guy. And uh, I know he's with the Lord. But, uh, you know, when we lose good people, it's, it's, always, it's always that time when you reflect and say, Lord, you know, well, I'm glad he's with you or a person's with you, but we miss them all the same. If you have your Bible, I encourage you to open up to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to continue in our study of the book of Ephesians. That's Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. And uh, as we get into this, I think we realize more and more that so many of the things that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus speak very clearly to us today in the 21st century in, in, in our situation, in our world, and in our church. I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 16. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 16. Paul wrote, Therefore, remembering that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at the time you were separated from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and for foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in your world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh 
the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Let's pray. Father, as we uh, dive back into the book of Ephesians, Father, uh, we know that the truth that you're presenting to that church through Paul is a truth that stands true today. And so, Father, help us to embrace, help us to, to learn from you, help us to, to leave this church with something planted in our heart that is from you. So thank you, Lord, for this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I remember the first time I went into a church uh, in Brazil. Well, really not a church, but it was my uh, church plant. It was a church, the first church that my wife and I uh, attempted to plant in Brazil to start. And I remember uh, on the first Sunday and from that point on, little kids would, would, uh, would jump up to the window and, and they lift themselves up like this and they're looking in our window and, and the reason they're doing that is because they wanted to see the Japanese. They wanted to see this Japanese guy who's, 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 who's in the church, leading the church. Because we were one of the very few, I didn't even, at all our time that we never met another uh, Asian person. And, uh, and so the people were just looking at us like we were, uh, you know, we were from a different planet. You know, and so I ask you this question. Have you ever felt different? Ever felt really different? You know, maybe some of you, when you first started to come to this church, you felt different. Maybe you're, you know, you're in a business situation and, and you felt different. You know, I'm, I'm standing here and I'm, I'm thinking of Pastor Corey. I wonder if Pastor Corey can remember the first time that he was here and they offered him sashimi, raw fish. Now, Realize that it's not that, you know, Pastor Corey has anything against Japanese food. It's just that he doesn't eat fish in general, especially fish that can still swim. Okay? You know, I remember the first time that I was in a, a tribal situation in Brazil. I used to have to represent the mission in, in, with different uh, Indian tribes. And I was offered for the first time armadillo. And, uh, and, you know, that was a, that was a tribal delicacy. Uh, and and I, I wasn't too happy about that, you know, but, but there it was in front of me. You know, and so there are times when we enter situations that we just don't feel like we just kind of stand out, okay? But one thing I hope you can agree with me or at least kind of relate to what I'm about to say. When I enter a church, I don't care if it's a church in Southern California or in Mammoth when I go to Mammoth for vacation or when I was in China to pick up my kids. Whenever I enter a church, there's something in me that, that makes me feel at home. There's something in me that, that when I look around at the people, I feel a certain connection, a, a kindred with them. And when I really think about it, it isn't so much the people, even though many times the people would come to me and, and welcome me in. But I really believe it's more God's spirit who is within me. God's spirit in us is, is something that when we come to, to know Christ and faith, God wires us on the inside to have that, that comfort in his house. 
and with his people. And, and I kind of refer to this as God's stickiness. We're connected. There's a connectedness with those who are truly born again and those who, who love the Lord. And they share that love with one another. Know that during the time of Paul, the Roman Empire was very much like Southern California. It was a very mixed society. The church in Ephesus was kind of like us in many ways. A lot of different people with different backgrounds, but they had the same Savior and the same Lord. And that's the message that, that Paul is trying to communicate to them. That is the church he's trying to address, a church very similar to ours. And so human nature being what it is, when it comes to people, be it during Paul's time or here in the 21st century, there is really nothing new under the sun. And there are things that we can really learn. The things that we can learn uh, about God, about how God wants us to be, uh, from the church that Paul wrote to, even though we are, are in our time today. When we look at the heart of our text today, we're talking about a subject that we have talked about over and over again. You know, and why does that happen? It's, it's a subject of unity. Why do we do that? You know, when I talk to my kids, there are a lot of times my lesson, I'm saying the same thing over and over again. And sometimes I change it a little bit, but the message is the same thing and the subject is the same thing. So why do I do that? Why did you do that? Why does anyone do that in a situation with other people? Because it is very important. And so if we're going to talk about unity again today, realize, hey, this is important to the Lord. We're not making this stuff up. It is coming up over and over again in God's word. That unity, that oneness, that importance of being together. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And let's start off with verse, the verse 11 and 12 like we, I just read. And let's talk about the things that keep us apart. The things that keep us apart. What did Paul write about? Therefore... Verse 11, therefore remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. The biggest separation in the early church, and realize that, that the initial believers in Christ in the early church, they were all Jews. And just realize as time went on, there were Gentiles coming into the church, non-Jews coming into the church. And the biggest division outside of the church was that division between Jews and Gentiles. In other words, non-Jewish people. And keep in mind at that time, there was no Christianity. Keep in mind at that time, there was no Islam. There were just the Jews and the non-Jews. And, and when Jesus walked the earth, you know, and you looked at the Roman Empire at that time, the Jews looked at all those outside of Judaism as idolaters, pagan people, worshipers, and all sorts of things. Realize that the Roman Empire had over 200 different, different beliefs and faiths at that time. And all over, there were different symbolic things and statues. There were some that were into ancestor worship. Others that were into worshiping the different gods that were kind of like the remnant, remnants of, 
of the, of the past Greek empire. You had, you had statues like Zeus and, and uh, Athena around the people, reminding them to, of, 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 of different gods and, and different, different forms of worship around them. They used to have emperor worship, so the people would, would, would see their emperor, the, the emperor of Rome, as a god. And so every time a new emperor stepped into power, you had a new god to worship. So you had all these different gods, and, and the Jews all thought they're idolaters. These people are morally depraved people. And it had to do a lot with their practices, too. They're morally depraved. Stay away from them. Paul wrote, you who are Gentiles from birth are called uncircumcised. Now, realize that's not a very polite way of talking about these people. Let me ask you, what did your mom call the people she didn't like? What did your mom growing up call the people that said, stay away from these people? Think about that. You know, think about a good Jewish mother. Johnny, don't hang out with Bobby because Bobby's an uncircumcised. Right? Okay. But think about it. What do we tell our kids? What are you telling your grandkids? Are you building up divisions between people because of how you talk about different people that your kids and grandkids have contact with? See, Jesus showed us something else so different for the world back in that day. And to be honest, it's, today is still a challenge. Jesus spent time one-on-one with all sorts of people. Let's just, you know, just think about it. Think about Zacchaeus. If you know your Bible, Zacchaeus, that, that, that Jewish tax collector that's just kind of ripped off his own people. You know, one of those hated people in town. Jesus sat down with this man and won his heart. You think about the woman who was caught in adultery. They're just about to stone this woman to death, and Jesus stopped them. And he challenged them. Hey, man, think about yourself. Think about, about Jesus going up to Nicodemus at nighttime. Nicodemus, a man who unknowingly was burdening his own people with rules of do's and don'ts that really had nothing to do with their spiritual lives. But Jesus met with him. Jesus met with that woman at the well, a Samaritan, a woman who was afraid to go to the well. And other women was there because she was a, uh, just, just full of shame and she just didn't want to be embarrassed. And there she was by herself at the well, and here comes Jesus. Sat down, sits down next to her and talks to her, and it's one of the longest one-on-one conversations in the New Testament. And then think of the thief on the cross. Here's a man who was, who was crucified on a cross right next to Christ. Jesus had a captive audience, and in his last day of life, he believed. See, that's the example of Christ to us. When we think of all the different people around us, all the different backgrounds, all the different things, all the things that make us different. So people, what did your mama tell you about the people around you? Let's think about the way God brings us together. Let's go back to our text. Ephesians 2. Let's read verses 13 through the beginning of 15. But now, 
That's a great way to start that. But now, see that difference? But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Amen. For in himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh along with his commandments and regulations. You know, the key thing I want to focus in on is that Paul wrote, but now in Jesus Christ. Boy, he just makes it, this is how it was before, but now in Jesus Christ. Two aspects I want to point out to us. One number one, we share a common peace. Paul's making it clear. He's telling these, these Jews and these Gentiles in the church in Ephesus, hey, now in Christ, we share this common peace. He's saying, now in Christ, you Gentiles have equal rights and equal privilege, equal standing before God. No longer is there a, a Jew defiled by entering a Gentile's home. Even playing field. God has no favor. Number two, in Christ, now, both in some ways, they kind of lose their nationality identity. It's not to say you can't be this and you can't be that, but now, in Christ, you are, you are one. You may be a Jew and you may be a Greek or a Spaniard or whatever you are by birth, but realize that in Christ, you're one. One, God has made you a brother. Your brother, saved by the same blood. And now in Christ, both make up what? The same body. You both make up the body of Christ. And because of their common faith in Jesus, God gave them what? The Bible says a new nature. And you know what that means? A new appreciation for one another. He gave him that new nature. He gave him that new union. You know, some things we do, we share because of a common bond. Think about this. How many of you go to, a, uh, you go to your class reunion? I don't care if it's 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. or I'm going on 40 years, man. You know, I don't care how long you've been away from your class. When you get together with your class, they could be doing, they could have gone to Mars and come back. You know, you don't know what they've been doing. But man, when you get together with them, boom, you got something in common. Why? You experience a common experience. The other day, I took my, my father out to lunch. My father's in a, a, a skilled nursing place, and I, I, I wheel him over, just up, I wheel him in his wheelchair to Carl's Jr., which is up the street here. You guys probably know where Carl's Jr. is. I wheel him up there. I usually do that a couple of times a week. And I, after we have lunch, I got him back to his room, and I, he's sitting in his room, and he, he, he looks around like this, and he says, how do I get back to camp? I, I, I don't know how to get back to camp from here. And you know what he's talking about? My father is going on 94. He's thinking he's back in the relocation camp during World War II. How do I get back to camp? 
See, after Pearl Harbor, my father and his parents were put on a train, and they were sent to Roar, Arkansas. I remember my dad saying, man, he was so mad because he just bought his first car. And he had to jump on this train and go to Roar, Arkansas, and he paid pennies on the dollar. I mean, he, he sold that car for pennies on the dollar because he had to just get rid of everything he could as fast as he could. But see, some of you understand what my dad went through because that was a life-changing, extremely uh, uh, impressionable time to, to, to just pull up roots and have to go into these relocation camps. You know, when we talk about common things, let me ask you, how impactful or how much of a change do you think it means for you to become a believer in Jesus? For you to come from not being believing in Jesus to believing in Jesus? For you to be not part of the family of God to being a part of the family of God? For you not to be on your way to heaven to be on the way to heaven? See, that's the thing we share. That's a common path we're on. And Paul is trying to say to the Ephesians, realize that you have this commonness that is really incredible, and it's wonderful, and it's something that should bind us together. No matter what your background is, no matter what your background is, The second thing is that we share a common peace, but we also share a common purpose. A common purpose. Paul wrote, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. You know, when we read Jesus' last days, on the night before that he was going to be arrested and nailed to a cross. He spoke to those he was going to die for, and he says to them, I tell you, my friend. That's how he starts off. I tell you, my friend. See, if you're as old as I am, you've, been, you've experienced in the Christian realm different things to help people understand that Christ wants to be their friend. That Christ wants to bridge that gap and help them to cross over that huge gap that, that we can refer to as sin and for them to have this incredible personal relationship with God. And one of those campaigns, if you're as old as I am, you might remember, there was one put on by Campus Crusade for Christ. And I've mentioned this before, it was the I Found It campaign. And I remember I had on my car, on the, I had a bumper sticker on my car. And, and everyone was invited. Uh, uh, Christian churches, were, were they passed out, I don't, I don't know how many, but churches had these bumper stickers you can put on, your, on your back of your car, and all it says is, I found it. What was the purpose in that? The purpose is that, that people would see that all around them. See cars, I found it, I found it, I found it. Eventually someone, you're going to be in a situation where you may be getting out of your car or getting in your car, and someone's going to be walking up to you and say, hey, can you tell me, 
What did you find? <laughs> Great opportunity. All of a sudden, you have an open door to hopefully share in a tactful, polite way. You found Jesus and what that means to you. See, that's the kind of heart that God wants in all of us. He wants us to have the heart to want to tell people, I found it, and I want you to find it too. It's kind of like the shepherds. If we look at Luke chapter 2, verse 20, it says the shepherds returned. Returned from where? From the manger. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. See, God wants us all to have a little bit of shepherd blood on us. To want to tell people about what we have experienced. To tell people what they could also experience and have. To want to praise God and just, just let the world know, hey, he's here. He's here. Let's go on. Paul also talks about the one body in Christ. Look at verses 15, the latter part of verse 15 going into 16. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. One theologian put it this way, and I, 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 we're going to have it on the screen. He said, the cross is God's answer to racial discrimination segregation, anti-Semitism, bigotry, and every form of strife between men. How in the world does the cross do that? What Paul is saying here is that the root cause of our hostility with one another, the root cause of us seeing things or hearing things or, or, uh, and causing different negative thoughts about, about people, the root cause of that is sin. The root cause of that is sin. That because of sin, we have this, 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 this almost this carnal negative attitude where we are willing to put up walls between each other we are willing to start to, 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 to look at different people differently from, from ourselves. We, we are willing to, 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 to have divisions uh, amongst the people we see and know, even the people that we associate with in our family. We are willing to do that because of sin. And, and Paul is saying, hey, Jesus' death in our place removes that sin. He, he removed that cause for you to have that hostility. Paul is saying, in Jesus, what are we? If you read Paul's letter, he is so clear, especially read Romans. 
Paul is saying that we are righteous. Why? Because Jesus transferred his righteousness to us. We are redeemed. Why? Because Jesus died in our place. We are pardoned. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for our sin. And we are delivered from the power of sin and hatred because of what Jesus did up there. So, so, Paul in another letter exhorted the believers. He said, you know what? Because of all that, work out your own salvation. He didn't mean work for your salvation. He's saying, you know what? You are a new creature inside. If you truly have put your trust in Jesus as your Savior, he died for you then you are new inside. You are that new creation, right? You are inside. So Paul said, work out that new creation outside. In other words, start to live the person that you are in Christ. Start to live it. Choose to live it. Want to live it. Desire to live it. Don't just go with the flow. Don't just watch CNN or read something or see all these things and make that judgment and be willing to make all these divisions. Go with that flow of who God is in you now. You are that new creation. And start to live to be that new creation. Jesus said in John 8.36, he said, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. That cause of hostility is out of you. It's gone. It's, it's gone. You've got to choose. You've got to want. You've got to work at to live out, to be that person God wants you to be. If you've got something against somebody, get it. Man, start working on it. If you've got something against a certain people group or something, man, start working on it. Start to flush that stuff out of you because that is not the real you. Understand the real you is that new you inside. And Paul says, hey, man, work it out. Work out your salvation. Work out that new you into the life you live. Stop using the excuse, this is who I am. You're not that good. Don't use that anymore. It's taken how many years for us to be how we are? But God is promising you, if you're willing, I will change you for the better. Paul wrote, in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God in the cross. In the cross. That we, on all our flaws and all our differences, all our weird quirks, we together make that wonderful body of Christ the only body that the world sees as a representation of God on this earth. We're the only thing the world sees. Us. We're the body of Christ. Paul, he understood the power of that. He wrote in Galatians 6.14, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. There it is. That's what brings us together. If it's anything short of that, it doesn't work. Let's pray.
Father, thank you. Father, thank you for your word. It, it, it is truth then, it's truth today. Uh, you change people then, you change people today. Help us, Father, to be the kind of children who want to change, to be the person you want us to be, the person Christ died on the cross for us to be. Help us to make that choice and live that life. In Jesus' name, amen.